I've got the sparse, the sickness, there's the twins in my brain. We were thinking about doing a Christmas special, but changed our minds at the last moment, and instead we're doing a big transfer special. We don't expect to see many more transfers this year, so we're ready to dive deep into the cycling transfer silly season with some of the most interesting transfers of the last decade. I'm joined at the Domestique HQ by Yves and Hans. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Hi. Hi, Bram. Yves, I'm kind of surprised to see you here uh, instead of training. Uh, you registered yourself for a pretty crazy challenge next week. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, next week? Well, um, it's a very crazy challenge, actually. I'm going to ride a cyclocross um, in Digam on the, the parkour where the pros will ride 15, 20 minutes after I screwed up the whole <laughs> surface. Um, so, yeah, it's organized by Average Rob. Um, he asked on X... Um, if there would be participants, but that went quite fast, and right now I'm scared. I'm very scared, and I'm going to eat a lot of sand. Uh, I saw the the sand pit is 58 meters, so that's 58 meters of eating sand. I still have some thoughts about that, actually. Um, you never wanted to participate in my Cross is Boss podcast, and yet you're racing cyclocross. I want to participate in the Cross is Boss podcast, and you know that. But you didn't dedicate an episode to my only lifetime a, hero. Only Machu the flying Lampu. mullet is there, so. That the flying mullet showed what he's capable of. This is not Cross's boss right now, so <laughs> we know who's the goat, who's the best rider. So Thomas thinks it's start of the week, it's time for Cross's boss, but no, <laughs> we're doing the domestic racing podcast. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you fall on your face uh, in Dijem. Thank I'll, you. I'll be there. You will be there. You yes. will provide some content. I will for our audience. Well, let's dive into the, the actual topic of the podcast instead. Um, maybe let's start off with the biggest one, uh, in my opinion, of, of the last decade, maybe. Uh, it's Primoz Roglic from Jembo Visma to Bora Hansgrohe. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, for me, it's definitely not the biggest uh, move of the decade, but... It seems like a long time ago already, the announcement of Roglic's uh, transfer to Bora Hansgrohe. I think it was start of off-season. Um, and I think it's rather a move for short-term instead of long-term, which, um, yeah, I, I have some doubts about it, actually. Um, his biggest goal is winning Tour de France. And I think if he doesn't do that in the first two years, then, yeah, it failed. Like, he, he ended the spell with Jumbo Visma... Um, with uh, an extraordinary end of the season with the Italian Classics. He was very strong. Um, his transfer was already announced back then. Um, he finished a 2023 season with 15 wins. So that's quite a big amount within the overall Jumbo wins um, that season. But yep, I have to agree as maybe two, three years max that they will benefit from a strong Roglic. But I don't know, in a new team, new approach. The yeah, He's the sole leader within the team for the Tour de France, um, no doubt. So he can play a, an important factor in the upcoming Tour de France 2024 and in other one-day races, of course. That's for sure. But do you really think he can beat Prime Vinegard, Prime Tadej Pogacar? You have to ask who can beat a Prime Vinegard, first of all. And then you have... Uh, a Pogacar, who can beat 
Pogacar except Finiga in a Grand Tour. Now Dieter Loos is sitting here on my shoulder saying, Juan Ayuso. But yeah, if you think about who can beat a prime Jonas and Tadej, no one. But then it's going to be quite a boring Tour de France with two participants. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that actually Roglic only has one year. Uh, he's 34 this year, 35 next in 2026 uh, or 2025. It's going to be 36 years old. Chris Froome still believes he can win the Grand Tour. <laughs> he can believe all he wants. It's not <laughs> happening. Um, so I think he just has this year um, to go for it and that's it. Um, I'm very curious to know what his new teammates think about that move because yeah, the team also has Vlasov, um, Jai Hindley, Kemna Buchmann, uh, certainly Hindley with uh, Dani Martinez. I think we will come back later to that. Um, he also joins the team, but yeah, that decreases his chances. Yeah, I definitely think that some of the other transfers that we're going to be talking about were not aware of Roglic joining the team when they signed up, uh, especially someone like Martinez. Um, but there was someone who joined up, uh, who was at Bora Hansgrohe, but left after uh, the the Roglic transfer was announced. So maybe let's let's go to him. Uh, it's a bit of a controversial one um, because well, we don't know exactly if this transfer is actually gonna happen. Uh, of course, it's been announced, but the UCI hasn't ruled it. Uh, legal yet at this time where we're recording this. Uh, Kian Uitebroeks uh, from Bora Hansgrohe to Jumbo Visma, so basically the reverse of Roglic. That, that's a stellar move. I don't know what happened there behind doors, but Visma Lisebike did an incredible job signing that guy. He's one of the biggest talents in the cycling world right now. He's the yeah, a rough diamond, if he's even rough anymore after his performance in the Vuelta last, uh, in a couple of weeks, a couple of months ago. And he will win a Grand Tour within the next two to three years, if it will take that long. So it's phenomenal. Is it good for the sport? I saw a lot of different opinions on X, certainly, certainly in the first day or two when it was just confirmed that he would go, or confirmed that he would go to Visma, um, that it's once again going to the Dutch squad, squad, and it strengthens him even more. But for Kian, it was the best move that he could make um, if he has to leave uh, Bora. Yeah, well, uh, Kian was complaining about uh, the material uh, he got to use at Bora. Um, besides that, you also have the the bullying rumors uh, of Kian being bullied during uh, La Vuelta within a WhatsApp group uh, he wasn't part of, where everyone uh, probably, we don't know what happened, but rumors say they made fun of him. Um, now, Roglic goes to Bora, Eutebroeks is gone. I don't know. I think if I were manager at Bora, I always want Kian Eutebroeks in my team instead of Primoz Roglic. Definitely. I think Primoz is going to be good for one or two more years, maybe three if he is able to stretch that out. But Kion, 20 years old, or however much it is, like, he's going to last for another decade in the pro peloton and, and probably win a Grand Tour. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it's a crazy trade. I saw you 
Watch when I say he's gonna win. Uh, he's gonna win a Grand Tour within the next two or three years. Do you think it's gonna be earlier than that? No, definitely not. Um, within two years, that means there are six Grand Tours, and he'll be one. He'll be winning one of them. I don't know if that's too soon. It will depend on the freedom he gets at Jumbo Visma, the growth he has there. But the guy said he wants to. Um, to get his, his uh, time trial better. Yeah, if there's one environment, one team uh, you need to be to do that. I think it's Jumbo Visma. And apparently Eutebroeks also said um, his big idol is Wout van Aert. Yeah. So, yeah, it must be special. Kind of surprising. To race next to yeah. your big idol. I want to dive into the fact that you say there, was only, there are only six Grand Tours within now and two years. But they lost Roglic and besides Jonas Vinigo, they don't really have a absolute top leader for GC. They have, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Matteo Jorgensen. Uh, what with the dream of uh, Wout van Aert and a, and a possible GC? Um, GC Kuss? There is also <laughs> Sepp Kuss. He won La Vuelta, yeah. so he'll definitely say, I want to try again. Would be weird if he doesn't say so, I think. I think in the press in the past couple of months, he's already kind of shown his mindset change being domestique at Tour de France and then getting his own chance at La Vuelta once yeah. again so that's already three of them gone unless Brooks goes to the Giro but then mighty Tadej Pogacar is there <laughs> well yeah we'll see how that goes um I put him in the GC men uh but technically maybe he might also be a domestique move uh Mikel Landa uh, from Bahrain Victoria's <laughs> I thought you were to... talking about Oetebroeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Uh, Landa, he's, his move has been announced as becoming a domestique, but, you know, it's Landa, you never really know. Rightfully so. He's not uh, going, I know he's not going to... The big Landismo fan is next no, to no, me, no. so I, I, I have to watch go, out what I say. He's not going to domestique 100%, never. His, not saying 100%, but his priority role will be domestique for uh, Remco Evenepoel. At Tour de France in 2024, I'm pretty sure about that. But yeah, there are so many races in one season. He'll definitely get his chance in in a one week race. You never know. But you think he will be a no, leader no. of a Grand Tour as well? Uh, I don't know. There is, like we mentioned, there there are three Grand Tours in a season. They have Remco Evenepoel who can ride one or two, um, depending on his schedule. But besides that, who's going to be? Uh, a GC leader within that team, Ilan van Welder, maybe, but that can be together with Landa, both protected li- protected riders. So he might go to yeah to the Giro. The you Giro can also see you can also see Landa as a stage hunter. Might even be more exciting than seeing Landa as a Grand Tour leader taking fifth place once again. Yeah, but I don't think that's why they brought him to the team to, yeah, to but, hunt for stages. No, but I'm not waiting to see Landa once again. In a second chasing group in watch, mountain stage. Watch him beat Pogacar in Giro. You gotta be realistic. Come on. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Okay, second behind Pogacar. Okay. No, it's, it's a good, it's a good move. Being like, it's definitely a good move. Who is Grant Thomas? It's a good move. The only question I have, um, Remco Evenepoel, and especially his dad, um, he wanted the mountain train to get better. Is it getting much better with Mikel Landa? 
And is it getting better for two or three years, if necessary? I mean, to be fair, I kind of think that criticism was wrong to begin with. The mountain train is there and it does work if uh, Van Wilder is there. Like, Van Wilder himself could potentially go for a top 10 in GCs in, in Grand Tours. We, see, we saw that at the Giro. He basically finished 11th, I think, after, uh, well, 10 days of domestic work. So it does get better with Landa. But still, have you seen the Tour de France squad uh, UAE Team Emirates is bringing to Tour de France in 2024? Yeah, they're not bringing domestics. Pogacar, Almeida, Ayuso, Adam Yates. I don't think Bollet. Adam Yates. Yeah, Adam Yates was on the provisional list oh as well. Sivakov. <coughs> if you put a train uh, of Sudal Quickstep next to that and next to the one of Jumbo Visma, yeah. You still have a problem. Yeah, you, ha you have to ask yourself, uh, Sudal Quickstep isn't the team that has to carry the race, that has to do all the, the work. Is it going to be UAE and Jimbo Visma? And if you have two or three good mountain domestics with you in the high mountains, I think that's enough. They are not going to pace in the peloton like Jimbo or like Visma, excuse me. Um, will do or UAE will do. So I don't think you need an entire squad. And that selection from UAE, talk about... That's a, re a recipe for disaster. Or for a miracle. I, imagine I it's drama waiting to happen. Imagine we're at the start of a big raid during a mountain stage. Do you think Mika Landa will be there the whole stage for Emco Evenable? But you have Louis Vervaeke, Van Wilder as well. Those guys proved themselves in the previous Grand Tours that they are capable of guiding their leader um, to a Grand Tour win or to a, a podium spot or whatever. Is it as strong as UAE and Visma Lisebike? No, not at all. But I think their team is maybe more balanced than the team that UAE will bring to, to the Tour de France, for example. Might be, yes. Like you have to... The, the team UAE brings is more a, a high mountain team with a lot of pure climbers. But then you have the mid-mountain stages and the, the hilly stages. Um, yeah, all those guys within the UAE team are good in that as well. But I don't know. I think it's quite a good team. And if Philip comes back on a, on a decent level, he can be, go for his own chances in, in some stages and can be a very important domestic for Remco as well. So Mikelanda to Sudal Quickstep, good move. That, that's a good move. All right wrap that up then um, next one on the list Martinez from Ineos to Bora Hansgrohe as well we already kind of touched on him um, that it is a, an odd transfer now that Primoz Roglic's move is also announced um, yeah I don't know what to think about Dani Martinez his performances are as unstable as the Belgian weather um, could be good Depends on how you see the move. Do you see it as a Grand Tour leader? Do you see it once again as a stage hunter? I love stage hunters. And Prime Dani Martinez is a damn good one. I think he wants a, a leadership in one-week races. And uh, if you go to the same team as Primoz, Primoz is basically the king of one-week races. Um, even in the, in the next years... He's going to want to do those one-week races and win them. So if, if you go there with Martinez and Roglic, 
Martinez is not gonna gonna get those. But you also have Vlasov, who isn't bad in one week races. You also have Kemna. That yeah. that's the problem I talked about earlier. Yeah. So. So Martinez was signed his contract before Roglic was announced. I believe so. I don't know. I I have no clue, but. They brought in Roger Adria as well as a mountain domestique. Um, and then indeed, like Hannes mentions, you have Hindley, Vlasov, Kemna. Um, that, uh, yeah, Shahman, maybe if he gets back in, on a very decent level, that's a, a one week stage guy, kind of guy. He can do that as well. So I don't know what's going to be, what, how his contract looked like, to be honest. But I assume he signed as a, as a leader. I don't know if it's going to be a Grand Tour leader or one week uh, stage race leader, but I don't think he will sign a contract as domestique or as uh, 60-40 or 70-30. I don't think that will be the case. Maybe we should look at it the other way around. Do you think this is a big loss for Ineos? No. Ineos has leaders. They're not mature enough at some point. They're like... they. Martinez was kind of a, a leader in an in Ineos time where like they had their great leaders in the past and they have young talents which are going to be probably great leaders in two to three to four years. And Martinez was sort of the, the weak link between the two because it never really worked out. I, 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 I don't consider it as a loss either. I kind of disagree. It's, I think Ineos had the problem that they couldn't solve the problem of inconsistency. Um, with Martinez he was very good in two or three stages and then faded away the next two stages and they didn't seem to cope very well with it they don't know they didn't know what the issue is because the guy can handle a huge amount of training load he he has the talent he's very strong so is it the loss for Ineos um yeah, if, if they could have solved the inconsistency problem, it's a loss. And if Bora gets that sorted out, then Martinez will perform strong. Yeah, will have strong performances next year. I think they definitely tried to solve those issues, but they simply couldn't. I think it's, it's just part of who the writer is. Mm. But time will tell. Time will tell. Um, next one is also a very similar uh, transfer, but... In my opinion, it is a big loss for Ineos. Tao Gegenhardt, uh, going from Ineos to Little Trek. Um, in my opinion, this is an amazing transfer for Little Trek. It basically puts them in contention for podium at the, at the Tour de France. I really rate Hart high. Like He was, in my opinion, better than Geraint Thomas at the Giro. And in all the, the races leading up to it, like the Tour of the Alps, he was just in amazing form. I really want to see him ride against uh, Jonas and, and Pog. Well, Bram, you said about Primoz Roglic to Bora Hans Groh. It, it's one of the moves of the decade. Yeah. But for me on paper, this one is as good. Um, problem is, it all depends on how he recovers from his uh, bad injury. Because it was really bad. Uh, he broke his hip. Um, Complex. And recently he said, I feel as a cyclist again. So... Yeah, the guy couldn't walk was, I think, a little bit similar to what happened to Remco Evenepoel. Um, the guy couldn't walk either, uh, had to to come back from a long way. But I think if all 
yeah, if you look at even the pool now and Gegenhard goes the same way, yeah, future looks pretty good for a little track. Yeah, very good transfer. The, the form he had um, in the Giro and the build-up to the Giro was his best ever form. Yes, he won the Giro um, in 2020 in the COVID edition, or the, was it the year before COVID, in the COVID edition. Um, but yeah, I see he, he scheduled to race um, Algarve at the start on the 14th of February. So he's race fit, he's ready to go. And if he gets that yeah, race ridden back, then he will be a very strong signing. He's one of those strong signings that little track made. But this is, for me as well, the, the move of this year's transfer window. You guys had Lorenz de Plus uh, on this podcast recently. Don't forget what he said um, before he crashed in Giro d'Italia. De Plus said, yeah, gigging hard. He didn't go into the red. Yeah, I don't know exactly how true that is because there was that stage where Roglic attacked, dropped Remco and, and Green Thomas and Hart sort of bridged over. He must have gone into the red there. Otherwise, he would have had taken the opportunity to drop Roglic, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, indeed. But still, I think he had a, a very good first 10 stages um, in the Giro and he was ready to strike. Um, together with Thomas, it was it was a perfect scenario for Ineos, but then the unfortunate crash in that descent um, took him out, and his season was over. I just saw his last race day was the seventeenth of May, so that's a long time. Yeah, basically the the entire time just recovering, yeah. learning how to walk again, yeah. learning how to ride a bike again. It's uh, it's gonna be really good seeing him but back on the bike. It but. still shows little track has a lot of confidence in him. Like yeah. they they signed a guy who in was injured badly, um, and they still believe it's in taking him. A and risk. They, they yeah. announced him as their big man for GC uh, Grand Tours. So they have a lot of confidence in them, and I hope he can fulfill that. Definitely. All right, uh, I'm gonna switch the order a little bit because I've noticed. We have Sivakov on our list as well. And since we're talking about riders leaving Ineos anyway, we might as well bring him in as well. <laughs> um, and there's another one later on. Um, Sivakov to UAE. In my opinion, like, at the end of the season, Sivakov was going so strong in one-day races. Like He suddenly turned out to be amazing at one-day races, especially the, the ones in Canada. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious how he's going to go. But then again, he goes to a team where, you know, uh, you have a Pogacar running around, you have a Adam Yates who's also really good at those Canadian races. Yeah, where do you see that going? Well, first of all, um, Sivakov was a very good rider in the youth categories. We shouldn't forget that. Um, but we also talked a couple of times about him, I remember. Um, and I've got the feeling... We've never seen the best Sivakov um, in the elite uh, category yet. I've got the feeling Ineos didn't really use him the way they should have used him. Of course, he had a lot of troubles. He, yeah, he crashes a lot. Um, the guy was young, crashed in Grand Tours. Then he kind of lost his, his place uh, in the ranking at Ineos Grenadiers. And yeah, he, I've got the feeling he never came back from that. But as a domestique, I think that's a big win for UAE team Emirates. 
it's uh, we have to note it's his first team that's not Team Sky or Ineos uh, within the pro ranks. So since he was young, he joined. Um, yeah, he was uh, in the BMC development team, but then he joined Team Sky. So since 2018, he was in the British squad, and now it's the first time in a different environment, in a different professional environment. So it we might change, uh, see a little change in his performances, but he will be brought into team as domestique, both in Grand Tours and one day races or stage races, like the like you talked about the the Canadian classics, but the Italian classics in the autumn, um, first, second, third. Um, and then, of course, Il Lombardia was a little bit disappointing and expected a bit, quite a bit from him because his build-up towards Il Lombardia was quite good. But then we, we talked with Josh a little bit about it and he was quite harsh about Pavel Sivakov. Harsh and wrong. Um, that he couldn't handle volume in the races. So if it goes over 200 kilometers, that Sivakov is struggling. So I don't know if that if UAE sees that in the the performance tests they did the last couple of weeks, but they can if they can work on that he can be a very important domestic in Liège in um, Lombardia and in the the tough stages in Grand Tours. All right, so you do see him taking on the domestic role. The the in problem is, Sivakov didn't prove anything as a Grand Tour leader yet because of all the problems and then. You can't go to UAE Team Emirates, one of the best teams uh, there is, and immediately shout, yeah, I want to be a leader here. The guys have Pogacar, they have Ayuso, Almeida. Yeah, yeah he, he signed for three years, so UAE believes in him. He's only 26 years old, so he's still quite young. He started um, very young as pro, so... Yeah, I'm interesting to see actually. I know the, all those UAE transfers. There's like a lot of big names, but names that yeah you don't know. Will they get a role as leader? Will they be played out as domestic? Because that UAE squad is so damn strong. If you, it's I'm insane. pretty convinced we'll be surprised by Sivakov. Yeah, Doesn't matter if it if it is as a domestic or as a leader, but he'll get better. Another rider leaving Ineos. I'm going to talk about Ben Tullet. According to Dietrich, it's Jonas Vingegaard V2. Um, I don't really have that same belief yet in Ben Tullet, but it is a very interesting transfer. Um, he is 22 years old, um, and Dietrich believes in him as basically the well, a future G uh, Grand Tour winner. What are your thoughts on, on his transfer? I have to agree with uh, Dieter. That's his big goal uh, of Tullet, um, growing as a Grand Tour rider. Um, don't forget Giro 2022. Um, he got, I think, top 40. But in the in oh, wow. individual time trial, he got fifth, where Simon Yates won. I think it was a slightly uphill uh, finish of that time trial. I think a lot of people seem to forget that. And in that Giro, he also worked for uh, Carapaz was the leader back then one tour of Norway this year again after a good time trial good prologue so we know these days if you want to win a Grand Tour your time trial needs to be on point so that's an advantage already um, but at, at this point I don't see anything 
um, why I shouldn't believe, Dieter, um, that Tulip can be a good Grand Tour rider? It's difficult for me because Toilet is 22 years old. Um, Dieter hypes up a lot of young, talented guys because he watches purely to data and how they perform, looking at power, etc., and how they fade during their effort. But yeah, he he never rode for a general classification in Grand Tour before. He's only 22. Um, He's within the Visma Lisa bike squad, so that's the best team to learn it. But I think we just have to give him time and to now say he might be the future Grand Tour winner might be a little bit early. Yes, he won Tour of Norway, but in second was Magnus Sheffield and third was Thibault Nace. Um So that's not the biggest competition. Um, he, did, he did win it, don't understand me wrong, but I just want to see him grow um, little by little within the Visma, uh, little Visma, <laughs> uh, within that Visma Lisi bike squad before I mention his, him as a future Grand Tour winner candidate. Yeah, personally, I, I don't really understand how Ineos lets a uh, super talented British rider go. Like, that's supposed to be their thing. Uh, winning Grand Tours with British riders, that's how they got started with Team Sky. And <laughs> I think. Uh, in the list you, you made before as preparation, <laughs> there were a lot of outgoing Ineos transfers, but none there incoming. Is there, there is, is one, one incoming, yeah, right? One. So um, that that says a lot about the transfer window that Ineos had. Definitely. About Tullet, um what surprised me, I, I looked into it this afternoon. The guy was 14th at the World Championships in 2022, um, which Evenepoel won. He was in the first group there. So about Sivakov, you said the guy doesn't have the volume, but at the age of 21, yeah, yeah. that's a strong performance. It's a very strong performance, certainly in a, in a tough race. But yeah, give him some time to, to grow into the, the Grand Tour aspect. He only participated in one. He domestiqued in there. Um, he barely was even a, a leader in one week stage races. So, But Jumbo promises him that he'll get his chance. He'll get the time to grow. Yeah, yeah, but that was also before Kian was announced, so he might have some problems in there. They are both very young. They are the same age, or they are one or two year difference, so they will meet each other their, almost their whole career. So, yeah. Don't understand me wrong. He's a very talented guy. He is someone for the future but immediately call him out as a as a grand a possible grand tour winner is too early for me at this point i got your back Dieter. <laughs> all right maybe let's actually talk about that incoming transfer for for ineos um, uh, not a lot to say about that to be honest but yeah announce him <laughs> tobias foss uh basically doing the reverse from Tullet, going from jumbo visma um to ineos I, I I don't understand this trend. Like, I've, 
what is he? He must be a pure domestic. I sincerely hope they lowered that wage uh, request because they asked so much. I don't know the exact number, but just because he is, he was real champion individual time trial. That management, or is it his father? Even his father, even from Foss, Foss, I don't know, puts such a high price tag on the guy. But besides that lucky time trial win, what did he before perform? Yeah, I mean he's a, a individual time trial world champion that didn't win a single race in his rainbow jersey. That's <laughs> says a lot. Uh, so yeah, yeah he. He won four, he had four wins in his career. Um, it's um, the National Norway Individual Time Trial, the National Norway Road Race, then another time national champion, and then world champion in the time trial. What a champion. He's a true champion. He knows where <laughs> to pick, a, when to pick his perfect form. But yeah, I don't have to add a lot to him. I, don't, I have no clue how they will play him out. Will he be... Uh, will they try him as a Grand Tour guy? Will they use him just like, yeah, what, uh, a time <laughs> trial guy? Uh, 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 yeah, a domestique, but then you have to ask for who he's going to domestique because, yeah, yeah, Thomas, but no. A lot of questions. I'll yeah. leave that for uh, Ghana, maybe. <laughs> that would be quite a powerful. <laughs> for Egon Bernal in the Vuelta, he can domestique. Yeah, but they already have so many... Well, now they have a lot fewer uh, Grand Tour guys, maybe. But in the Tour, they're definitely going for Pitcock. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just don't understand this transfer at all. Uh, I don't see it working out for Ineos or false. Anything how else? Mu how much incoming transfers did they have, this transfer window? Two or three? August. Oscar, Oscar Rodriguez as well and AJ August as so well. AJ August is a, a, a very promising young guy. That makes the, it three. One, I, one, a, one good one, a bad one. <laughs> oh, what do you want to say about Oscar Rodriguez? <laughs> and I don't know one. <laughs> <laughs> but was it... Yeah, I, I know it's not on this list, but AJ August is, was mentioned as the, the American Remco Evenepoel with more power yeah, but or, or something. <laughs> That's but like every transfer in football. Yeah, no, it's it, the Belgian it, Messi we've got here. No, it wasn't the transfer. It's, it's the Dutch Ronaldo. Was, uh, I think it was Axel Merckx because he was. It was like a GCN interview. Right? Yeah, yeah, that. but those comparisons, we need to stop with that. Yeah, maybe AJ August is gonna beat Tullet in a Grand Tour, and then we're gonna rewatch this, and then you're gonna say, "God damn, I should have followed Eve instead of Didier." <laughs> <laughs> Unlikely, but we'll see. Um, then I have one more guy listed as a GC guy, but he can be a GC guy, he can be a classics guy, he can be whatever the hell he wants to be. Matteo Jorgensen uh, from um, Movistar to Jumbo Visma as well. He can be what he wants to be, but he's good. Um, I don't know if he's a GC guy. Um, definitely not now when Utebrooks joined the team. That reduces the chances of Jorgensen as a GC rider, I think. But, yeah, the guy can do a lot of things. He's a good one-day racer. He he got the, the skills for a classics race. He got the skills for a one-week race. He can be a stage hunter. This is a good move, in my opinion. He complained a lot about um, the lack of professionalism within Movistar. 
and that's his main reason why he left the Spanish squad to go to um, Jumbo Visma, um, because that's a whole different story. They are the best um, on yeah, looking at a professional approach of it. But it's so difficult. Like that guy is so versatile that you don't know how they will play him out. How they will, yeah, will they let him go towards the classics and be in the super squad um, to support Van Aert or just to yeah to be an extra leader Laporte Jorgensen Benoit Wout that's a stellar team as well and then he, he, yeah we all know by now that being a domestic in that classic squad doesn't necessarily yeah, yeah. mean you don't get a chance and the fact that they got five or six options in that team is super dangerous the only problem they have most of the time they don't have the best one when it really matters. Yeah. Good that you know that. No, you gotta be honest about that. And they know that as well. But, yeah, I'm talking about Tour of Flanders, but Pogacar not going through Tour of Flanders can be beneficial for Jumbo Visma. I mean, yeah, they yeah. have to really keep their <laughs> Definitely. eye on the, the pool. No, Pogacar <laughs> is the guy who let the race explode from far out because he needs a very tough race. And now Mathieu has to do it on his own. And that can create a little bit of freedom for Jumbo Visma, I think. The one thing I know is that it increases the pressure on the team of Van der Poel. True. But that team is not super strong. They actually don't really have any very strong incoming transfers this year. and That may be a possibility for other teams, but yeah. All right. That's something else. Let's uh, maybe move on to the... Can I add one name to the GC, guys? Um, it's once again UAE. Isaac Del Toro. That guy, what's wrong with him? You say about Talit, he's too young. I don't know. He hasn't really proven a thing. But this guy is going to win a Grand Tour just, in the next I, two or three no, years no, no. as I'm well. I'm just going to mention Isaac <laughs> Del Toro is a rider to watch. And you mentioned Talit is a future Grand Tour leader. There is a lot of a lot between that. I agree with both of them. And Isaac Del Toro won um, Tour de l'Avenir in 2023. Um, very strong guy. Um, yeah, it's just uh, I wanted to mention him as a, a rider to watch, and I'm interested to see how UAE will play him out in their squad. He will probably race the dot pro races a little bit to get to know the pro level. But that guy is certainly... Don't be surprised if he gets into a top five or a top three in a, in a tough stage. Yeah, I think they're just going to play him out exactly the same way as they played Ayuso when, when he came in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I basically see him as very similar riders, yeah. uh, similar profiles, uh, also just dominating or being very strong in that under-23 category. Yeah. Um, so yeah, UA does know what to do with those types of guys. Where does he come from? Mexico. Mexico, something special, yeah, something unique, definitely good. Also nice to see in the in the pro peloton. All right, classics and domestique riders. I started out with Remy Cavagna. Well, and there's going to be some more riders coming from Sudal Quickstep here on this list, but Remy Cavagna I want to start out with because in the past he's been really used as a uh, well. A, a, 
helper for Remco. Um, but I really see him as, like, put him in the classics and, and he's going to be insane. But they never really do that. I think he'll be the next one on the list of riders to leave Sudal Quickstep and, and try to grab their chance in another team during the classics, but fell completely. Uh, Patrick Lefebvre, he says, I don't see how uh, Cavagna will be able to compete for the win in classics, and I have to agree with the godfather. First of all, I don't see Cavagna as a classics rider, although he wants to be that. I see him more as a, how are you going to say it? Um, a light Matej Mohoric version in some hilly Grand Tour stages, but in really in classic season. Paruder? I don't think he can do a lot. Maybe a, a top 10 if he's lucky, but he's just someone who can handle a lot of kilojoules, a very tough stage with hills, um, the old time. So like Mohoric in the Grand Tours, but in the classic season. I have no clue what he's gonna be. What he's gonna do there? Well, I've got a quote here uh, from his announcement on the website of uh, Movistar, and it says, "I want to reach my full potential, work on the position on the time trial bike, and all aspects of performance and aerodynamics." And but then I go to Movistar for yeah. for that. Um, they're <laughs> we they're called they are called a movie star as well because they have a lovely Netflix series. Um, and their their main language is, um, is Spanish, so that guy is is, is French. Um, that I, if you look for to to get everything out of the best performance, best position, then Movistar is one of the lowest spots on my list to go to. You have the French teams, Cofidis, um, <laughs> Decathlon AG Desert. Um, they are getting more professional. We, we had a chat with Steph Kras um, earlier this offseason as well. But they have a lot of deficit in comparison to the top-tier teams. And Movistar is amongst them. That's the reason why Jorgensen left. And he's going there for that. And yeah, I don't think Sudal Quickstep was that bad in it as well. They made some steps with Evenepoel, as Evenepoel mentioned as well. They, takes, they took some steps regarding nutrition. Um, so... I don't think it's going to be better within the Movistar squad. So I think we can conclude that we don't really believe in this move? Uh, yeah, I, it's... Do we believe in that move? It's... The, the team brought in Nairo Quintana. Um, and besides that, what's the identity of that team right now? What's their main focus? Where can they excel? Um, nowhere. So, is it a good move? He can take a stage win in a Grand Tour, and then it's a good move, of course, because he gave the team exposure. There is Movistar with the, the how they are and how they the history they have it. Alejandro Valverde, are they happy with that? I wouldn't be if I would be the CEO of Movistar. Movistar. All right, next one. Another one coming from Sidal Quickstep. Uh, I have Andrea Bagioli going to Little Trek. This is another one of those where Little Trek is actually doing a stellar move, in my opinion. Very good move. Um, Andrea Bagioli in the Italian races, in the, the Spring Ardennes races, just very strong. 
Um, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to, to seeing how, how he does there. It's one of those transfers where how does that, how does Sudal Quickstep let him but leave? I think Schmidt leave? I think we have to see it as there was a lot of uncertainty about Sudal Quickstep in that time. And they, Sudal Quickstep let go a lot of riders, good riders, Moro Schmidt, like you mentioned, Bajuli, um, Cavania is a good rider within the squad as well. Well, the funny thing about um, riders leaving Sudal Quickstep is that you always get a tasty quote of Patrick Lefebvre on top of it. And about Andrea Bajoli, the guy said um, he didn't want to extend his contract because performances and wage weren't on the same level. And literally finished second in Lombardia. Just, sorry for the word, a fuck you to Patrick Lefebvre to leave the team because it was his last, last race day within that course. So he proved there what he's capable of. Yeah, I think honestly, amazing response. Um, also, uh, and he won two days before before Lombardia. He won Grand Piemonte, and three days before race. that, he finished third in the Coppa Benucci. So I don't know when that transfer exactly was announced, but it would be quite funny if the announcement was the first of October and then he started to perform. I think it was announced before those races. So yeah, but we don't know when they talked about it. Of course, yeah. just in general, this is an amazing transfer for all track. Really, and he's gonna start the Giro. So I don't know what's the plan. There. He wants to get a Grand Tour stage. That's yeah. his goal of the season, so together with uh, the Ardennes Classics. Oh, that's uh, lovely. Looking forward to see him in uh, the Ardennes Classics. All right. Well, the next one from Sudal <laughs> Quicktest. <laughs> Mauro Schmidt. Another one where I don't understand how this transfer happens, where Sudal Quicktest lets him leave. And of course, there's a beautiful, more beautiful quotes from the godfather of cycling. But he's one of those, like, he's a rider that never got used right in that team, in my opinion. He's, like, super strong rider, but he's always been used sort of as a, as a domestic. Yeah, he but was he kind win, of right? a mystery within the team, I think. But um, yeah, the fact that he left the team, of course, he had troubles with uh, Patrick Lefebvre as well. The guy, um, according to uh, Patlef, he lost his GPS in Las Vegas on a trip there. So yeah, it's, it's a big win for, uh, for Jaiko. Had- Moro Schmidt had an amazing response on that from Patrick Lefebvre because a day later he uploaded a ride <laughs> on Strava in Las Vegas or Los Angeles. Yeah, well, so he didn't lose his GPS tracker or his Garmin. Or according Wahoo to Moro Schmidt, he didn't train because his bike um, was arrived too late uh, in yeah. the States. Yeah, once again, he's very young as well, only 24 Um so that guy has a, a lot of potential, and that's a stellar move from Jayco Alula. Um, I don't know; he's not going. Prob- he's not going to two down under. Probably they will give that to the to the Aussies within the team. But I sh- I expect them to see on a very high level. And he won the Balwaza Belgian Tour in 2022. Right? Was that with the Ten Balance Clash and that Golden Kilometer? battle that they I have that, no idea that they always fight in that I golden kilometer but that was <laughs> that were three uh, pseudo quickstep guys who ah, just Lampard in who there just, as well uh, try to to block Valens to go for the bonifications so <laughs> I, I remember him from that race if it was 
that race, of course. But yeah, he's also already won a, a Giro stage. So yeah. you know, a, a Giro stage winner to your team at 24 years old, and this is a really good transfer for Jaco Alula. Uh, anything else about Maro Schmidt? No, no. All right. Maybe then an incoming transfer for Sudal Quickset since we're on their team anyway. <laughs> Maybe an even more controversial one. Gianni Moscon. <laughs> Coming from Astana. Like, this is one of those where <laughs> nobody really knows what is going to happen there. I see Hannes is very silent when <laughs> the name <laughs> drops of Gianni Moscon because yeah, he has a dark background uh, everything that happened with him but i think pure performance wise um it was a bargain it was very cheap it was very cheap and if they can get him on the rails he's a, he's gonna be a beast for that classic squad <laughs> the only question i have johnny moscon is one of the strongest personalities within the peloton and then you put him in the same team as patrick lefevre as daddy evenepoel and remco evenepoel But yeah, it's that, not, that's asking for a clash. It's not a lot. Uh, no, yeah, Moscon and Evenepoel are not gonna raise a lot together. Um, yeah, know. the Flemish classics. They, I, they I will thought not. they brought Moscon to the team to support Evenepoel on the flat. He was the replacement of Tim de Klerk. Right, Evenepoel is not gonna win a Grand Tour then because he's gonna <laughs> fight with Johnny instead of uh, battling uh, over Moscon the Moscon is just break check him. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if if this is a good move. This is a good move. For the amount of money that... For the amount of money they've... <laughs> Performance-wise, it might be, but it's a risk for your team, I think. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to basically keep him out of the press. But if, if there is someone who can keep mouth. him quiet, it's Patrick. Lefebvre. That's for sure. He's basically going to dominate. If Moscon is, is going to shout, Patrick is going to shout even louder, and then he's not... He's have to go on a, on a, stra um, on a training camp... To some sort of isolated island <laughs> to to calm down. So, ah, I think it's a good move. Um, yeah. All right. Um, you mentioned the clerk there. Uh, to that Moscon would replace him. Hmm. But I think they announced someone else as well for that. Uh, Eiko Bastians. That <laughs> he would be able to replace the clerk. And uh, that's a joke. I, I put him in this list because. I don't know where they're getting... Like, he is coming from the uh, Alpsin uh, dev team. Devil team, yeah. At 27 years old, uh, he's not been given the opportunity to, to go to the Alpsin main team. That must mean something, but for some reason... It's weird. Sudol Quickset picks him up. I don't know what he has, but it must be special. Blackmail on, on Kotler. <laughs> Replacing Tim de Klerk is not easy, uh, definitely not. And yeah, I don't think he's the right one to do so. No further comment. All right. Well, we have the Klerk on our list as well. He's going to little trek. What do we expect from him there? The same, or does he basically not have a job there because little trek does not control races? Exactly, it's a different style of racing, and definitely in the classics, um, they have Mats Pedersen and Jasper Steven, but let's be honest, they don't have um, Van der Poel, they don't have Van Aert, they don't have uh, Pogacar, they don't have Tom Bolen, uh, Nicky Terpstra, Philippe Schilbert, as Soudal Quickstep had in the, in, in the past, 
But um, yeah, how are they going to use the Klerk? At, at which point in the race? This, the classic squad of Little Track is growing in a positive way. Um, no, sure. No, but they aren't going to control a race from start to finish. But I think having a De Klerk in the team to support... Um, Carry the bottles. Uh, not only that, but like... Put the leader out of the window. Within the last 100 Ks, he can stick with the front group quite long. Um, certainly, if he doesn't have to do that long pulls at the front, he might go with the the front group a little bit longer. And I think it's... Actually, I hope so. And then you will see he will be a huge support for uh, Mats Pedersen, Quinn Simmons, if he... Uh, yeah, those guys are... It, it, yeah, I... I think it's a good move, and I think we might see him get a chance in a in a smaller Flemish classic if he gets in that. Uh, yeah, you he have to. He deserves it. Come you on. have to see like he he sometimes went into the final fifty case um, of a race still in the in the leading group, but you have to know he was already in front two hundred kilometers earlier, just pulling um, that that power output the same. Your nose in the wind, so. How fun would it be? Like a, a group of six and then you have a Tim Leclerc in the little track jersey. That's going to be so weird, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, jump away and then there's hesitation in the back and then Tim Leclerc puts his hand in the air. <laughs> and then he's going to meet Yves Lampard. It doesn't matter if they are in opposite he's going teams to be or not, but it's, sure. this is going to be... Oh, I, I can't wait on the interview after that race. <laughs> Potlef had an interesting story about this one as well. He said, uh, Tim de Klerk, he wanted to stay and we wanted him to stay as well. But Tim wanted me to, to decrease his wage, but I didn't want that. In my experience, a rider that earns less money than before is a rider whose performances will decrease as well. This is one of these quick step stories where it makes no sense. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that's the real reason, but... I, yeah. Bajoli, he asked too much money. The clerk, he, yeah, they he didn't ask enough. They should to each other and they just made a deal <laughs> between them. <laughs> no, um, I, I kind of hope to see the clerk as a, a breakaway rider, actually. Not the, sort of the, the, the breakaway breaker turning into the breakaway rider. I think actually he could do... So the, the Mohoric kind of guy or who can who do you compare with? A de Klerk in your imagination for 2024 then? Do you have a rider in mind who is doing the same? Like we said before, we shouldn't be comparing riders. That's a boring answer, Bram. I no, I think Eve was right when saying he could sneak into an anticipating move in one of the smaller classics and then, yeah, play it out. Oh. I'm just, I don't I, see I'm just dreaming. Oh, I'm going to sleep so good that tonight. <laughs> I don't I'm see him <laughs> dropping any other riders, but... I think it's just, well, I, I'm going to be watching his season very closely. <laughs> All right. Um, I also have on my list Matteo Trenton going from UAE, maybe a, one or two steps back uh, to Team Tudor, Tudor Pro Cycling. Trenton uh, had a big role in um, helping Pogacar uh, learning to know to know the Flemish classics. Um, Nielsen Paulus also yeah. said that... Uh, Where to ride, when to come to the front, when you can go to the back to take a pee. He was a 
quite a, a, a mentor for Pogacar in his early, um, when the first time he came to the Cobalt Classics. And this year he did am amazing work as well. He was in that front big front group um, that a lot of people thought that will go to the finish. Um, and then he he was a very good domestique for Pogacar in the in the Cobalt Classics. So, but is it a loss for UAE? No, if you see what they bought. Um, but they lose a lot of experience um, with Trentin. And I don't know, is he going away because he wanted to be a leader again or does he want to give his expertise to some younger guys um, within the Tudor team I have no clue about that I think he's going to be more of a, a road captain uh, kind of guy Like I do think he still has some qualities to at Tudor you can combine both of them I think but yeah. I think we can't forget they depend on wildcards because it's a pro county team they Bought quite a lot of strong guys, Marco Brenner as well, um, Alberto Dainese, um, Michael Storer. So those guys are, are very strong, but they st are still pro Conti. So, and their classic squad isn't that strong, so I don't know if they will get a wildcard for that big um, races like the E3, uh, like Tour of Flanders. There are a lot of teams on the same level there, I think. Um, there's a lot of competition for those wild cards. You also have uh, the Titema guys, uh, for instance. Yeah, that's I, more popularity. I don't expect to see them that often here in Flanders, to be honest. It will be like in a Nokere course, etc. They will probably start, but yeah. It's an it's an interesting move, and I think it's I don't know for how long how long he signed, but it's for for three years. And how old is he? Thirty four. That's ballsy from Tudor to sign him for three years, actually. Yeah, but judging by the level he had this year, it's still quite high. So going into into next year, like, even if it goes down gradually, by his last year, he's still going to be a like, decent road captain for that yeah. team. It all depends on his uh, personal ambitions. Of course, yeah. as well. Well, I just hope that we get to actually see the team in, in some of the big races because that's kind of what I fear with, with uh, Tudor Pro Cycling. Um, maybe uh, I've, I've kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, <laughs> but we kind of already talked about uh, Alpsen, uh, how they didn't really have many good incoming transfers. But actually, one of the outgoing transfers that I thought was really interesting was uh, Dries de Bont um, I, I, I don't understand like to me Dries de Bont is a part of Alpsen he's kind of a, of that identity seeing him leave the team is going to be yeah it will weird. be weird to see him in another shirt um, I don't know if Aja Desert would be the team I would want to go to to be honest um, yeah they're absolutely not the strongest team they don't have the strongest classic squad they don't know how to race um, most of the times. Um, but yeah, clearly Dries de Bond wanted some more freedom. I think um, having Mathieu van der Poel in your team means you won't get a lot of chances. And in that case, Aje Desert is a good team to go to, I think. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a lot to add about that. It's... A very weird move. It's basically because he wants more freedom. 
but will he, he achieve more because of that? I have my doubts. He became Belgian champion. He was, he is a good classic rider, but there are quite a bit of riders who are better than him. I the, like the Grand Tour version of Dries de Bont more. Attacking every day, yeah. going into breakaways. And I think that's his biggest chance on a nice result. Then he has to domestique for Felix Gall and Ben O'Connor. So. Yeah, but there are three Grand Tours. Uh, it's yeah. a French squad. They, common well. sense doesn't exist within that squad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no further comment. <laughs> I mean, it is also, it's a World Tour team. They get automatically, uh, like, they get to go to all the big races. For the the Belgian classics, well, he basically doesn't have to fight for his spot in the in the classics team anymore. He just he sure automatically right. picked. <laughs> but, look, Oliver Nassen rest, made. Come on, <laughs> of course, like him, uh, Oliver Nassen, and then the rest. Yeah, well, was quite interesting. Oliver Nassen asked Arnaud Delis to go to the team as well. Yeah, I mean, and I in that case, it would have been different. Yeah, but no, the, no, the other way around, right? Where uh, Arnaud Delis asked. Um, uh, Oliver Nassen Oliver Nassen to, to come yeah, to Otto. I thought Arnaud Delis was asked to go to AG I have no clue I just know Degatlon brings a bag of money to the team and they still aren't able to yeah buy a yeah they bought At we're going to talk actually, about it later yeah. um, we can talk about it now because I think Victor Lafay is is one of those transfers where I'm actually really interested in what they what he does it like he's won a grand he's won a tour stage for a French uh, rider but French he wasn't team. supposed to uh, no, sure <laughs> a, a Frenchman leaving a French squad for another French squad uh, that, <laughs> that is the most normal thing in the world that means no, you, you aren't very eager to improve um, nutrition wise performance wise um, it's they got Lomage Desert much better than Cofidis Cofidis had a better season in 2023 than Aje Desert had um, and the money, but yeah. It all comes down to the money. Yeah, okay. How old are you, Victor Lafay? Um, you're 27 years old, all right. You're in the autumn of your career. You can... Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a little... That's, that's the harsh. in the autumn of his career then. <laughs> yeah, um, even Pogacar said uh, in an interview yesterday, he's he's old, he's getting old, so he's doing the Giro double. Yeah, he's, he's, been, not ra- young. he's been racing on the highest level for like six years. No, not six years. Yeah, but Ali, this, is, this doesn't feel very good to talk about Pogacar when Victor Lafay is um, <laughs> on my screen. So, I mean, Victor Lafay uh, stuck to no, Pogacar's wheel in the first stage of the like, of the tour. Yes, I think this, compared to Dries de Bont, Lafay is a, a good transfer. I do think so as well. I think Lafay, if he's on form, well, he he can be very surprising. Um, before the season and you don't get to race in the brown shorts well nobody gets to race in brown shorts anymore so I don't know if that was his requirement for joining the team (laughs) (laughs) alright in the domestique classics writer section I put one where I don't really know where to put him and that's Luke (laughs) Plapp because ooh I thought you would mention someone else oh do I have more in there Rui Costa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's also one of those where, where no, no. put him. But. Let's talk about our young wolf from the, the OG days of Domestique. He was the first one. I remember us being at the Belgian Championships uh, cyclocross in Ostende um, when there was COVID. 
Um, and there were Australian, Australian criterions um, back then, so it was built up towards um, the nationals. We were um, super hyped. Like, Plap is starting in... We woke up at four in the middle of the night. I think it was a third-tier criterium, like one or two pros. But Plop was on the list. Turns out we woke up at four in the morning. <laughs> he wasn't he, in the peloton. He wasn't in the peloton. <laughs> so he wasn't ahead of it either. No. But <laughs> no, he was not racing that he day. He was not racing because he had, he had COVID, I think. He didn't participate in the individual time trial as well. But That was the start of our love story. Yeah, and... I still believe in the guy. Um, he had a, a rough 2023 season. Well, after the 2022 season, I thought, yeah, here we go. He's ready for more. Here we go. But then this season, 2023, yeah, wasn't good at all. I don't know what the problems were. Um, but maybe yeah, coming home at Jaiko Alula, for a lot of Australians, it feels like a fresh start and maybe yeah, let's hope a new environment will do him well I don't know what happened as well because he started the season strong he became national champion again then he was um, he crashed at a bad mountain two down under um, but then he went to UAE tour where he finished second behind Evenepoel Yates behind Evenepoel um, so his early yeah, his month of January was good but then it all started to to fade when he did not start Catalonia and then he didn't finish um, Basque Country, didn't finish um, Tour of Hungary and then I think he never found his good form again. Yeah, it's kind of from moment he came to Europe this season, it, it yeah. all went to... I don't know if he became ill or, or something in, uh, in the travel towards Europe. Yeah, uh, I don't know exactly. The the DNS in Catalonia, there must be a story there because he didn't start on stage one. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the exact story. I just think that he's going to kind of flower again in an Australian team. I think he, he really needs that Australian identity. Uh, I just saw that he raced again a couple of stages uh, of the Tour of Bright yeah. and, and won two stages and the GC. Uh, now in December, of course, now is their racing season. Um, so yeah, he, he's enjoying racing in Australia and I think he's going to work well in... in Jaiko is also a team in which you can get a lot of freedom uh, if you really want to. So I think that will pretty much suit him. Yeah, but I just think that their Tour Down Under team is so stacked. Like, they're sending all of their Australian riders and Simon Yates. I love that team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I mentioned in, the, in our Discord server um, that team can do a lot on the flat and the, on the hills. It's, yeah, it's quite an easy parkour this year. There's Wollonga Hill. Um, but Mount, Hill. Uh, yeah, that one. Um, but Mount Lofty has climbed from the easier side this year. Um, so for the people who don't know, who's lining up for Jaiko? Do you want me to start with? Yeah, okay. Luke Plapp, Simon Yates, Talent O'Brien, Michael Hepburn, Chris Harper, Campbell Stewart. Oh, and I forgot the Lotto Destiny star of uh, old days, Kelly Ewing. We'll get back to him. <laughs> <laughs> we will. But I am looking forward to seeing that squad on the road in Australia. I think it's going to be nice to see it in front of their home crowds. 
Uh, and then, yeah, let, let's wrap up the domestic section with the last domestic, I guess. But we don't really know what his role is going to be at EF. Rui Costa. To education first. Yeah. In my head, that's kind of a step up. Yeah. I, I, at the age of 37. It's one year, a one year contract. So it's probably his final year. I don't know if he has a good relationship with Jonathan Vallis. I think Education First didn't want to take the risk of giving him yeah, two years but, at that age. But he's 37, so he can finish his season in 2024 as well. But uh, yeah, at the same time, it's pretty sad for Intermarché as well because they wanted him to stay and he wanted to stay as well. But the team didn't have the money to keep him. Um, I looked it up this afternoon. 2023 was the second most successful season for Rui Costa in his career. It's kind of incredible. For a That's former insane. world champion. <laughs> That's insane. The old fox, Rui Costa. And if he, I, I do see a fit with education first. Yes, yeah, an attacking squad. It's a fun squad. They have uh, Carapaz as their leader for the Grand Tour. But besides that, it's... They can just go rogue in a lot of stages, a lot of races, and then Rui Costa is the perfect fit for that. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. I mean, you, I don't know how he's going to play with someone like Palace. Uh, I think they both are um, stage hunters uh, at this moment in their careers. Um, yeah, but Education First isn't the team that sends a GC squad to every GC squad to every Grand Tour. I think, and no. um, they always have some spots for stage handlers as well. So mm -hmm. it will work. All right, I agree. All right, let's wrap up the domestic classics and whatever riders, and uh, <laughs> maybe go to the the big carousel that took place all over uh, the cycling teams. All the sprinters, basically no sprinter is going to be in the same team as it was this year, with the exception of Medir, maybe. Philipson. Philipson and Medir, basically, yeah. All the other ones are on the move. Um, <laughs> let, let's start off with Sam Bennett. Oh. Sam Bennett. Okay. <laughs> it's a difficult one to start with. <laughs> but That's what strikes me is that, um, yeah, first of all, he's going to AG Dezer. I already said some things about that team, but they they gave him a two-year deal. He got a two-year deal at Bora Hansgrohe. He got six victories in those two years. Um, Eschborn Frankfurt, two Vuelta stages, a stage at Vuelta a San Juan. And with all due respect to um, our friend Mihai uh, on X, but he also won two stages of the Sibiu Cycling Tour. He dominated that race. Come on, six victories in two years at Bora. That's poor. Yeah. I think Caleb Ewan is jealous on that. It's poor. And, and then, <laughs> then, then you get you still get a two-year deal at AG de Z. Yeah, that's, that's basically saying, excuse me, but we don't, we do have no, a lot of money, too much money. Yeah, we just have this big bag of money. Can someone take <laughs> someone. it? Because we don't know what to do with <laughs> Help it. Help us out. Help us. <laughs> he's uh, 33. So at the end of that contract, he's 35 and probably has one... They will extend Four him. races. They probably will extend yeah. him. I mean, there are other sprinters at a ripe age that are able to still win and go for it. Mark Cavendish, for example. Uh, but I don't really want to compare Sam Bennett to Mark Cavendish. No, no, don't. Um, also, Aja Desert isn't really the team that has the strongest 
of sprint trains? Do they have one? Um, as far as I know, they don't really have one. And I think Bennett is a sprinter who he really needs, needs one. Yeah, he can't go position. So they have Gianluca Polofleet. They brought him in as lead out and sprinter um, in that team. Very young, 21 years old. Then they have. Uh, uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna 20... quickly scan it. Um, Armirai, you know, Berte, no. Uh, so no there is leader the bond, guy. The, ba- the pastel the wolf in the train, but not the final guy. Um, Oliver Nassel. <laughs> the Parapanther brothers, no Nonspeters, no. No, they don't. Andrea Vendrami, but that's not a leader guy as well. Larry Warbays, but that's. Let's conclude this is a poor move. Definitely. I think it's probably the poorest move among all the sprinters that we're going to be talking about. Um, Can he win it to the front stage? No. <laughs> um, let's talk about someone else. Caleb Ewan, can he? Let's talk about the next one then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ewan, he steps up. He goes back to the World Tour <laughs> at the Jaiko. Um, in the same team as Dylan Grunewegen. Yeah, I, I'm sure he'll have a great season in 2024. As I said, the same case with uh, Plap. The Aussies uh, get home and that... Yeah, in most cases, it means they, they step up their game again. So I have big expectations, actually, for uh, Caleb Hewn. Honestly, I, I kind of did, too. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he has a really good season. Um, because, well, it really wasn't working out at Lotto. Just the way that, that Tour de France ended for them was just horrible to see. Um, and now, yeah... I think he's just going to vibe so much better in an Australian team. Uh, he's going to feel home there. And also, Grunewegen is going to Tour de France, I think. So yeah. I think that's a good case, too, for Ewan. Um, I don't know. I think he, he, he so didn't even. win a Grand Tour stage the past two years. Three, even. Um, mm. So it's, it's a good thing not to start at the Tour de France again. then. Mm-hmm. And they've already made some pretty clear... Uh, divisions between which printer will go which where. is necessary I and think I think that's something that for example Sudal Quickstep could have learned from in the past couple seasons instead of waiting in the week before to announce which printer sure. they're taking all right we can move quick now um, we're sprinters yeah um, maybe let's go to <laughs> oh so my that god was a, that was a great job uh, to uh, Jakobsen to DSM DSM had to bring in a sprinter. They lost Welsford. Yeah. Um, and Dainese. And Dainese. Um, Jakobsen had a not too bad 2023 season, less, less than 2022, but still he won. It was uh, bad. Well, bad. I remember I was sitting here in the same room and I said he was the disappointment of my season. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Um, no, <laughs> Jakobsen, he wanted to go to the Tour de France in 2024 again, but with Remco Evenepoel, that's not possible. And even Temelir, he also wants to go. So if you really want to be sure of a place at the Tour de France, then yeah, you need to leave. And I think, yeah, I, I kind of see a fit between Fabio Jakobsen and Team DSM, to be honest. I mean, it's a Dutch team, so it's kind of... Uh, a trend of uh, of this transfer season, like the riders going to the teams of their uh, nationality. Um, 
Yeah, to be fair, Fabio Jakobsen, his season has really not been good for a sprinter that I still consider to be one of the fastest. I think Philipsen is faster, but behind that, Jakobsen should come really close. Um, and it really hasn't happened this year. I mean, he's he's gotten his wins in. Uh, I don't know how many... He was able to beat Philipsen three times. Um, one time Tirino Adriatico and two stages in the Balvaz Belgium Tour. Yeah, but how much was the reverse? Uh, much more, of course, but yeah. still... It could just be bad positioning on Philipsen's part yeah. or whatever, so... Yeah. Um, at DSM, the, the sprinter culture in the past couple seasons has not been that great, um, especially the lead-outs, um, especially with Dainese basically having no lead-out. Um, that was always a problem, and I don't think that's uh, that's solved. Um, the lead-out train at DSM is definitely better than the one at AG Desert. Um, but, yeah, f I don't know who is the big lead-out man there. Um, but, yeah, I think it, it might work out. The... They still have quite a, a strong team. They have Julius van den Berg as a, as a climber. Uh, they bought in Julius van den Berg. Who is the sprinter, Martijn of Julius? Martijn. <laughs> I think it's Martijn van den Berg from Education First. But they still have Pavel Bittner. Um, he's a fast guy, very young as well. Um, he can get in that lead-out train. Nils Eekhoff, same story. Um, Didn't uh, Lipins go to the team as well? Uh, not, Lippins, not really a lead-out guy, but uh, someone for the first places in the train yes he went there um so yeah they they can do something there it's sure they can it's a good move for uh for fabio jacobson to be fair um jacobson he goes to dsm but dsm at the same time loses two of their sprinters uh, wellsford and dainese you can start with the best one of the two that's a tricky question i think wellsford is the best of the two <laughs> That's the correct answer. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. You're not the biggest fan of uh, Dainese. Wellsford to Bora Hans Grohe. Do you see a fit? Like um, um, DSM lost their main sprinters. Bora lost their main sprinter with Sam Bennett as well. Um, Was he though? Jordi Meus? He won on the Champs-Élysées? Yes, but... Yes, Dieterlos. Who was the main sprinter in that team in 2023 season? On paper, it was Bennett. But who was the strongest of the two? At the Champs-Élysées is the 21st station in Tour de France, then more than half of the season is over. Yeah, well, it it's bigger than the six victories in two years um, for Sam Bennett, in my opinion. Still the best sprinter in the team is Danny Van Poppel. But sadly, he, he doesn't want to be main sprinter. Um, and if you can be... In the wheel of Danny Van Poppel, you are in the mix for the win. Because Danny Van Poppel is a master leader guy. And he's arguably maybe the strongest in the current peloton right now. Yeah, Danny Van Poppel is a, a gem to have in a team. He knows when to go. He has been a main sprinter, so he has the experience when to go, when they have to when he has to let go his sprinter in, in the wheel. So if they can work out a communication um, together, like we saw Markov Jakobsen, that communication didn't go that well. And you saw Markov Cavendish, the difference between that, there has to be a blind trust in the lead-out guy. 
And if they can create that within Bora, then he's going to have a couple of nice wins um, in the 2024 season. Exactly. Van Poppel is what makes this move interesting to follow, yeah. I think. And I don't know, um, Ryan Mullen, etc., are they still within the Bora team? Because they had a, a very strong um, sprint train. I don't know if Mullen... I think Mullen stays... Uh, I, I think so as well. So there is actually a very strong GC squad within Bora, and then you have a very strong sprint squad as well. Then you can raise the question, maybe what in the Tour de France? I mean, I think they're going to put everything on, on <laughs> That's Roglic, pretty right? obvious, no? So... No sprinter to no big tour. sprint train at least. No, I, I think if you two, if, two if you get Roglic, then for Van, a sprinter Van Poppel plus someone else. There are eight, eight places at Tour de France. One but goes you can to Roglic. Van Poppel is pure Lido guy for the sprinter, and then you can put someone who can help in the Lido train, but can pull on the flats as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you know two or three max, but. Like, do you take Jordi Meus? Because like he did mm-hmm. win on the on the Champs Elysees. It's kind of odd to then leave him home the next year. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, I think next one, Jonathan Milan, the big guy. Big guy. That's an understatement. Powerhouse. <laughs> the beast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Once again, a big move. Literally for a little track. Um, he fills in two spots in the bus. So <laughs> <laughs> that guy is so. He massive. was the one Viviani said about. He was about to win Milan Sarimo, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but that didn't happen at all. <laughs> didn't he drop before the podium? <laughs> <laughs> he dropped on Cipresa. No, Cipresa, but yeah, he's yeah, an yeah. impressive sprinter. And I, I do think we, we, yeah, we haven't seen the best. You want to I, want to, yet? I want to discover him as a classics rider this season. And Little Track wants to play him out within the classics squad as well. Um, we know he, he's a phenomenal sprinter with a typical style, high cadence, head up, so aerodynamics. He, even he doesn't wrote, really care about it at this point. So He even wrote the final of Omloop at Niesblad this year, I think. He was in the group together with... Arnaud de Lee was in there, I think. He was 12th in Kürne. Was he at the start of Omloop and Yeah. Yeah, 36th. He, made, he played a major role, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm interested to see how they will... They, yeah. Him as a classic rider is going to be entertaining. It's like the Tour of Flanders, etc. I don't see it happen because he's very heavy, but maybe... In a couple of years as well in, in Paris-Roubaix. We don't know. He is very he has the, the body. He can handle extreme weather conditions if you if you see him. And if yeah. I think it's actually it, a, a problem for Lotto and Dali. Because I think Milan and Dali can have very similar profiles of the races that they can go for. Um, yeah, that's true. I think Dali can handle a little bit more of a hilly terrain than Milan, but pretty sure. Uh, Milan can still develop a little bit as well and it will depend on his priorities does he want to be as a priority a sprinter then he doesn't really have to change his morphology of um, a lot but if he wants to be a, a classic rider then you have the, the Cune-Roubaix style of races of, or if he wants to go a little bit harder then you have yeah. so it, a lot depends on a personal ambition but it's going to be Interesting to see him in, st- in a strong squad like Little Trek in, in the Flemish Classics. Definitely. 
I actually really want to see him in Roubaix. He was there this year already, but DNF'd. Can, uh, I, can I use him as a dark horse then? Or is it the same story as Ghana last year? For Roubaix? Yeah. I think that's a dark horse, yeah. Yeah, I would consider that a dark horse. Right. I'm going to look up his odds. I'm going <laughs> to lose a lot of money then again. All right. Um, we already talked about Dainese, did we? Do we need to talk about it more? Cause yeah, Dainese to, <laughs> to Cheater. Well, I have actually a question. What's wrong with Alberto Dainese? Yeah, I don't get it. He needs to be delivered on the line. Like, a roundabout confuses him. What's the difference with Cavendish right now? <laughs> uh, no, no, no. About, about 35. Purely <laughs> about the thing, he has to be delivered on the line. Uh, Cav, even undelivered, can finish second in the Tour de France stage. Like this year, Cav didn't really have a good lead out train at the Tour, still finished second in a stage. I don't see Dainese doing that. But I think it's, it's harsh to say. Uh, I think a lot of sprinters like to be delivered um, to the line, and that's. But there's different uh, between like to be delivered and need to be delivered. Alberto Dainese needs to be delivered. If he doesn't have his team ahead of him, he doesn't finish top 10. I think if we look at all those sprinters, then I think we can say for quite a bit of Jakobsen, same. Jakobsen has. if. He doesn't have the leader guy he trusts. He's getting boxed in into corners and he is not yeah. going for Ewan. Yeah, I mean, and it was, your, uh, yeah, this, this is a podcast, but for the, for the listeners, Bram was yeah, starstruck by my extremely I powerful quote. You can't deny the fact that Dainese going to Tudor is a big move for that team. For that team, sure, yeah. But. You I see it more as a step down for Dainese than a step up for the Tudor team. Um, I think it's a, a step up for a Tudor team, uh, but I'm not sure where they're going to be able to display those qualities because of, well, basically their, their whole uncertainty of where they can start. So you think the, the main sprinter for Tudor is... No, no, no it's going to be Dainese. But it's not going to be Arvid Klein. No, although he was pretty damn good in the past year. It's going to be a Dainese. Of course it has to be, but in which races? Like, are they going to the Giro? We, we of course don't know yet, but... Isn't Tudor one of the sponsors? It Tudor is. is a sponsor of a Grand Tour, so... It, it, but if they don't go to the Giro, then <laughs> they're done. And if he wins a, a stage there, I will remember this. He knows how to do it. Yeah, I mean, he's done it before, but... I'm just not a, a, a big Dainese believer. Anyway, if Dainese to Tudor was difficult, what can we say about Walshai to Jaiko? He's one of the favorite riders of uh, Dieter Los, I think. Yeah, yeah he is. Another one of those. <laughs> Does he fit I, in this list? I saw actually Walshai on the sprinter's list. Is he more, is he more a classic guy? Yeah, he's not, a, he's not a sprinter to me. The thing is, in, in Grand Tours... Um, especially in the tougher ones like the, the Vuelta I think was it yeah it's it's Cofidis yeah yeah but it's the Vuelta except Brian Cocard who's champion in top fiving it's <laughs> anyway we can skip him then no no no, no. He's, he's an interesting guy an interesting he, transfer he can be interesting as a lead out man I think yeah. for who for Kalab for Kyle and Grunewegen oh yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I'm like as leader. I never saw that before. He never did that. I think. Yeah. Well, listen to me. I want to see him in Roubaix again. Yeah, sure. That as well. But he's going to lead up Kokar, and you're not going to see Kokar over the finish line. I think Dieter is a little too hyped about Walshite, to be honest. He's not going to like me. But I think you have to watch uh, Strava to see his power numbers and then you will say something different. That's not all about the numbers. That's Try to explain that to Dieter. <laughs> he's not here and he's one of the main topics in this podcast. <laughs> when does he get a transfer? Um, anyway, uh, we have one more specific writer. There is Project 35 left. I think. No, we also have. Ah, yeah. Oh, uh, our, I was our too fast again. <laughs> you calm down. I know you're hungry and you want some fries, but <laughs> <laughs> calm down. We have Luke Lamperti. Yeah, uh, also, not a sprinter. Big move. Big move. But Arguably a sprinter. I have a, I'm going to talk. Let Hannes do the explanation about that. I think he fits more in the classics list. He wants to be good at the classics races and then Sudal Quickstep is one of the best teams you can go to, I think, to learn. Is or was? To learn, still is, I think. Because the staff is still there, but most Yeah, they've, they've got the history left. in it, they know how to do it. They just don't have the riders to do it anymore. They don't have the best riders to win the biggest races. That's for sure. Um, no, don't you think this is a fit? Uh, it is a fit, but... I think it's one of those where it's going to be really hard for it to work out because the the races that he's coming for, well, I guess he's going to have earlier chances at leadership because of it. Yeah, he's he, um, he's starting Kuhn, Brasokun and Hippé Denet are both confirmed on his uh, schedule right, right now. Yeah, but it's also difficult to know if that's true. Why not? Those, yeah. those two races, why those two races? Because he probably mentioned it in some sort of podcast. But still, uh, I love this move. It's He he was three years within the Trinity Racing squads, and that's a good squad to be in as a youngster. Um, you have quite a nice, a nice race schedule um, within that squad in the, the youth races. And I understand why you put him in the sprinter list, because he had a lot of good performances in sprint races. But he's he's more than a than a sprinter. He is actually. I don't I don't want to compare, but I, he's more a, a delay kind of guy who is, who's fast but can survive um, tough terrain. The new tombone. <laughs> also, what played a major role in his decision apparently was the fact that he could still race on specialized bikes. He's from California, and he said, "I've been racing specialized for a couple of years now. Mm. Specialized is." Also based there, I think. Yes. Yeah. So he was very happy to keep the brand. Who's riding with Specialized? Only Bora and... Sudal. Sudal, right? Yeah, because yeah. uh, Total Energy uh, switched to Envy. Yeah, they switched. Yeah. All right. And then we do indeed have Project 36. First question. Who still believes in Project 35? I do. I do too. Same. All right. I mean, with the, the <laughs> names they've brought in, plus the performance staff, I think that's also important. That, yeah, and that combination, Morkov, Cavendish, that's good old times. We saw when Cavendish came back to Patrick Lefevre and the blind, blind trust we, he has, as we mentioned earlier this podcast. This is 
Yeah, will it happen? It depends on luck as well. Circumstances. But I've got another question regarding that. Do you think Cavendish is still able to beat, um, for instance, Philipson in a 1v1 fight? Yes. But if do you think that? Yes. I was saying I do believe in Project 35 if all circumstances are right. I think if, for example, in, was it stage 10 that uh, he got second place? Um, yeah, where his chain dropped. Yeah, if he doesn't drop that chain... He's not winning. He is winning. He's not winning. He is. <laughs> the speed Philipson came, even he was already closing in before the chain dropped for that second. It would be close, but he wouldn't have won. Was, that the, was that the stage Van der Poel bumped into Girmay as well? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was winning. He was going to win. Um, and Should yeah, have won. I think it. with the, the two guys uh, ahead of Morkov as well, with Ballerini and Kantish, I think that's how they're going to play them out. That's that's a very strong spring train. Um, On paper it is, yeah. The only problem is the course in the Tour de France. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a problem. It's a tough opening weekend. And before the first sprinting chance, there's already quite a bit of fatigue in the leg, certainly for someone like Cavendish. I mean, he it's it's tough. It's gonna be rough. And there are not a lot of chances as well. This year, so. so it's happening on the Champs Elysees. That would be magical. And then he's done. The curtain drops and done. I, I would expect that that would happen. Yeah. Any comments on the Asana transfer train? No. Or I train? hope it works out. That's all I can say. Probably they went all out. That I think we can say that they went all out to give. Also, the trainer, the, uh, the Gianni Greek guy, is, uh, yeah, whatever. Can't pronounce his name, but <laughs> <laughs> try it, <laughs> try it. <laughs> Anastatopoulos, is it like that? It it ends on us, so that's correct. But, <laughs> but that was also the trainer who the coach who brought them back um, yep. at at Quickstep, right? Yeah. So yeah. I think those are just a really good match, and the fact that Cav just has that persuasion power to get him to leave Quickstep to, to join Asana as head of performance. I think that says a lot about how committed they are to each other. Absolutely. All right. Then we have, that was all for the men. There are, of course, more transfers that are worth discussing, but we, we have to cut off some point. Um, so let's talk about some of the, the women's transfers. Um, and I have them in a certain order, but let's maybe start off with Corin Lebecki. Corin Lebecki from Jumbo Visma to EF Education. Mm -hmm. um, first of all, there is a fit between those two teams. Um, her years at Jumbo Visma weren't what she expected of it, I think. And yeah, she said she wants to win again. She's, she's a real team player. Um, she does everything to win, but uh, lately she didn't win, um, I think. And her big goal, the Olympics. It's a course that would suit her. Uh, but of course, well, going to the Olympics and doing a team change is not really, uh, like, doesn't relate to one another. Um, but yeah, I think in women's cycling in general, like, oh, wanting to win classics, it's going to be so hard if you're not in SD Works. Um, but of course, at EF, 
uh, she's gonna be a leader, um, if not sure. the leader. Um, yeah, can can she be as the works? We have to note as well, it's the, f the first year it's a family link between the male team and the female team. Mm -hmm. So before this, uh, before 2024, it were two separate teams. That's also what, why the other team collapsed. Yeah, um, and so they go on training camps together, like uh, Nielsen Polis mentioned. And yeah, she's going to be the main leader in the in the classics. Um next to Alison Jackson who won Roubaix and will have a protected role as well but winning will be very difficult definitely um, alright maybe the next name uh, Julie van der Velde and I'm actually really excited to see this transfer yeah first of all how old is she? 30 30 um, um from Phoenix de Kooning to AG Insurance, right? And her major goal is developing her climbing skills, targeting our dance classics. Yeah, it's difficult, I think. Winning races is difficult. Yeah, I mean, it, the whole women's peloton, like, the amount of different women that can win races is, is so much lower. But she got pretty close to the France, right? Uh, or did she win? Uh, she she won. She wore the KOM jersey, but she didn't win a stage. She didn't win a stage, no. Or her best finish in she got France caught. She got caught, I think, at at fifty kilometers uh, kilometers <coughs> meters from the line. She, her best result is thirty sixth in Tour de France. Unless I'm badly mistaken, but I don't think so. She was in the in a break for fifty <laughs> kilometers. Of that her stage. best performance this season was in the uh, Tour de Suisse. Where she finished 13, 13th in general classification, but more importantly, she, she finished, finished, god damn it, uh, sixth in uh, the last stage, um, a tough stage, up and down. Um, some women in front of her, um, Fisher Black, Nuyadoma, Royce, Vollering, and then Julie van der Velde comes there. Um, so, pretty strong performance there, but how Are much. The insurance is World Tour? I think How it's much more can she grow cool. knowing she's 30? Is my question. Yeah, that's a problem. It's You can grow, um, you can um, increase your volume, but pure your climbing speed will not change drastically, I think. I don't know how professional um, they approach it within the Alpecin team, of course. If it's a big step up, and it probably is, um, with Moomin, I think Moomin took some important information from SD Works to um, AG Insurance. So uh, how much more improvement is there for Julie van der Velde? I have my doubts, to be honest. I think she um, should be just a, a breakaway rider, like what she did at Tour. And it was indeed in the last 50 meters that she got caught in stage three. Um, I think those are the types of efforts. Like she held off the peloton for a long time there, um, and it was actually looking really good for her. Um, in that sort of scenario, winning is always going to be hard. But you bring a sort of value to your team um, that you know not all teams can be as he works. Um, not all teams are Jumbo Visma or whatever. So 
Yeah, I, I think this is a, a transfer that is going to work out well. Yeah. Right. Then we also have Kristen Faulkner uh, going from uh, Jayco to, uh, is it EF as well? Yes. Um, really good transfer. That's good. the biggest move in the, within the women's, women's peloton this season. Um, in general, the transfer season has been quite poor um, in the women's peloton. Uh, the majority of the leaders and good riders stick to their team and they they are in 2023 but that's a strong move signed for three years three years is quite a long time um within the women's um cycling so she's 31 she wasn't she stripped away from her strade bianche um, third place because of a Gluco yeah, glucose meter, yeah. meter. Um, but I compare her a little bit with Grace Brown um, type of rider who just solos her way um, on a rolling parkour um, to the win it's, yeah, I compare her a little bit to Grace Brown well if EF uses the same way of racing as, as the man's team I think this can be a perfect fit uh, get some freedom to attack, to do whatever you want, um, and just hunt the win. Yeah, um, <clears throat> obviously, like still a super capable rider. Otherwise, you don't. Well, she had a third place at um, Sarah Bianchi um, until the little shoulder with uh, was it volunting, um, and she got kind of pushed into the barriers there. Well, yeah, but she was relegated. Because of the, the meter. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Um, Still, so I think, like, it's one of those where... She, I think she's an underrated rider in many ways. Like, she doesn't win often, um, but it's just... Well, yeah, I, I just really want to see where that transfer goes because EF is really a good fit for her and also, again, plays into uh, riders going back to their sort of national teams. She's going to be a good stage hunter. I know the dynamics within women's racing is different, but still she's able to, to lounge a late flyer and then you never I don't move. think it will change a lot from what she did at Jaiko, to be honest. It was a team that attacks a lot as well. But she goes from world tour to um, a step lower because education first isn't a world tour team. Yeah, but it's not so going to take that long, I think, before no, they step up. It means this year probably... Not the two fronts, I have no clue, but it will. I think it's they'll get a wall card pretty short, yeah. Um, all right, uh, maybe let's talk about Clara Coponi as well. Um, uh, pretty strong sprinter, not of course on the on the Webis, and level. more than that, I think. Um, yeah. she wants to leave her mark as a sprinter and a classics rider. Um, I think it also shows the depth uh, women's teams are getting, at least some of them. Um, Little Trek said in their announcement it will allow them to send different sprinters to different races. Now it was mainly Balsamo who did all of the sprints. Um, so it's a good sign for Coponi that she will get her chances. And she's almost 25, so still pretty young. And room for improvement. Yeah, nothing more to add. It's a very good signing for Little Trek. Um, someone who can mix herself in bunch sprints and not always relying on balsam like Hannes mentioned so yeah and there's a lot of experience in that team so if you want to learn 
it's a it's good place to go to. And I think it's always interesting. She's, she started as a professional within an FDG squad in 2018, and she didn't leave it until now. So it's, I'm always in interested to see how that will change her approach to races, her performance in general, because another environment, um, Little Track, is quite professional within women's uh, cycling as well. Well, they when have it, quite a lot of budget as well. So. When it comes to that, she also said it will be a kind of change of her life and not a new language but another language that she was probably used to a new way of living and new teammates as you say could be good yeah all right then uh, I have a little the last one bonus one Zoe Bakshet of course the transfer has already happened yeah sorry. you're forgetting my favorite one oh did I go for it then I'm some from Jaiko to the Basque team Laboral Kucha Fundación Euskadi. You practice that one. Um, this is a very interesting story. Um, the, wait. Um, <laughs> Laboral Kucha is a sponsor that has an agreement with the team until 2029. It's not that common, I think. No, definitely not to get such a, a long agreement. Also, uh, Santesteban, she is. Um, she's coming from the Basque country, so there is a natural fit once again. Um, and she signs a three-year contract, I think. Um, Laboral Kucha has put a lot of money in the team. They want to grow to World Tour as soon as possible. But you need to know they are only two years. They've been two years at continental level, so pretty young. Um, they, yeah, they want a bright future, and I think Sant Esteban can give it to them. She was, I think, on my paper. There's eight to the France Femme and tenth in uh, in Giro. Mm -hmm. So, but she's thirty three years old. Yeah, but Giving I don't think a, that's a, th a problem. A three year contract. They they need a Basque rider to to let it grow. They. The strategy behind that was because they wanted other young Basque riders to get into the team and to learn from her. And if you saw her this season, she was very good. And she actually had her best season ever. At Absolutely. The, at the well, uh, at this season she was thirty-two. So. And now she's coming home. So, vamos. It's the, the whole theme of this. this right, whole episode. Should have said it in Basque. Beautiful, uh, <laughs> beautiful story. All right. Wow. Because you, you really researched that one. Beautiful way. story. <laughs> I think this was a beautiful story, but my stomach is... His mm. glucose levels are a bit low. <laughs> he needs one of those monitors. All right. Then, actually, one that we've spoken to recently on the, the Crosses Bulls podcast. Uh, Zoe Buckstedt. Of course, the transfers already happened um, mm -hmm. from... Uh, was it two canyons? Uh, She's at yeah. Canyon Shram, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was a really interesting transfer because of the instant performance difference uh, when she came from EF. Absolutely. Um, first of all, we've got to mention she was your disappointment of uh, last season. <laughs> um, I didn't understand it back then and I still don't. But yeah, Zoe Buckstead, uh, she's an amazing talent. Um, she's stepping up, going to Canyon Shram. She's now working together with her dad, Magnus Bakstedt. 
and I expect big things from her. Um, maybe I'm gonna say now already if her classics campaign isn't um, full of top five, top tens, don't worry, she'll get there eventually. How old is she? Nineteen. Nineteen. Says it all. Two thousand and four. Yeah, you make me feel old. <laughs> That's why I said. <laughs> Barry Roubaix is apparently one of her favorite races, and I really can't see why you would say she can't win it this I'm not saying next that. year. I mean, there's <laughs> <laughs> like she's one of the biggest talents in, in women's cycling. Definitely, uh, I've given my reasoning why she was my disappointment of season in our season recap. So uh, I'm not going to repeat it. Um, but yeah, she's going to win a lot of races. I, I hope it's this year. Also, Canyon SRAM has often been called a team that uh, has difficulties of winning races. Um, in fact, a lot of people said that about Nimia Doma, um, that she's not the killer within races. And now they might have one. Yeah. But not in, in mountain stages, but... Uh, Kenyon Sram has won a Tour de France stage and a Giro stage this year. Yeah, but they said that before that Tour de France from. Yeah, I mean, right? They did, but I disagree. I disagree yeah, with them. Yeah, because How? there is no, there is ah, oh, there is no reason behind it. No, okay. it's just a, a very interesting team. It's one of the most entertaining teams within the women's cycling. They always attack. Um, for example, Shabby. Sure, sure, sure. She, but um, the next step is. Winning a lot of races. Uh, New Yadoma became real champion gravel, so now she's gonna clap everyone um, everywhere. She knows how to win right now, so watch out for 2024. Uh, and that's another eye roll. I think that I was going to say this is the perfect we, we can play a game way to end this episode, and now no, it's, no, no, it's no. not good again. We can play a game with our YouTube viewers and see how much Hannes <laughs> rolled his eyes when I was talking. It's gonna be, it's gonna be quite a bit. Definitely. Ben it for 2024. Isaac Del Toro is going to win a Grand Tour faster than Tullet. <laughs> I think I should wrap up this podcast before any other crazy things get said. Um, <laughs> so that's a wrap for today's Omasik Cycling Podcast. A big thank you to our audience for tuning in. If you enjoyed the episode, consider supporting us on Ko-Fi. And if you're on YouTube, hit subscribe and turn on notifications because most of our audience is actually not subscribed. Uh, we appreciate your support and look forward to seeing you <laughs> next time. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye. Bye. I've got the sparseless sickness. There's the twins in my brain. <laughs> <laughs>